The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. Over the past two messages, we've been talking about the divine inspiration of the Holy Scriptures. Today, we take up a topic that's just as important, the divine preservation of those inspired Scriptures. What if God had an inspired word that was not preserved? That wouldn't do us any good, would it? It's so important that we understand that God has preserved the Word of God for us today. In dealing with this subject, we're going to start out with a discussion of preservation in general, and then we're going to focus in more specifically on the preservation of God's Word in English through the King James Version of the Bible. There are two main questions that we have to ask in any discussion of the preservation of Scriptures. First of all, can we rely on the Bible that we have today? And secondly, which Bible can we rely on? In other words, which translation, which version of the Bible is the most reliable? I'm a preacher who believes that the King James Version of the Bible is the preserved Word of God in English. In other words, the authorized King James Version of the Bible is the most reliable translation that we have in English. It is the version that we can rely upon as transmitting to us the inspired Word of God that has been divinely preserved for us down through history. But why do I believe that? Why do I use the King James Version of the Bible and view it as authoritative over all the other translations that are out there? Hopefully, in the next series of messages, we're going to understand that the King James Bible is the preserved Word of God in English. In today's message, we're going to begin looking at the topic of divine preservation in general. We're not necessarily going to talk too much about which English version of the Bible is the best, but we are going to see in general that we can rely on what has been transmitted to us in the manuscripts that have been copied down through the ages. We're going to see how reliable the information we have in the Word of God is compared to other ancient classical writers. And then we're going to see in the next series of messages that it was the King James translators whom God used to preserve his written word in English. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my
Article 2 of the Articles of Faith of Zion Primitive Baptist Church reads this way. We believe that the scriptures of the Old and New Testament are the Word of God and the only rule of faith and practice. What I want to preach to you about this morning is the divine preservation of the scriptures. You may recall last Sunday that we talked about the divine inspiration of the scriptures. This article speaks to the divine inspiration of the Holy Scriptures when it says that we believe that the Scriptures of the Old and New Testament are the Word of God. In other words, we believe here at this church, as they did 175 years ago, that the Word of God is inspired. In fact, in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, when we read all scripture is given by inspiration of God, that literally means it is God breathed. It is as if God breathed it out into the, the pen, if you will, of the writers of the Old and New Testament. We talked about that last time. We talked about how we do believe that the Bible is completely inspired and completely accurate, and it is complete. It's uh, as he says in verse 17, it's that the man of God may be perfect. That doesn't mean sinlessly perfect, but that means that the man of God, anyone who's a child of God, now especially a preacher, but not just a preacher, all of us might be perfect. That is mature or complete or whole. In other words, we got all we need right here in the scriptures. That's all we, all we need. We don't, nothing wrong with commentaries. Nothing wrong with Listen, I mean, you're listening to a commentary right now. <laughs> you're listening to a preacher comment on the Word of God. But what I'm saying to you this morning is, is that any commentary that deviates from the Word of God or any preacher, including yours truly, that deviates from the Word of God, don't go with him. Don't go with me. Go with what the Word of God says. So the Bible is inspired. But the issue this morning is something a little different. The issue of divine preservation has to do with basically two questions. Can we rely on the Bible we have today? And which Bible or which translation should we rely on? That is, which Bible translation is the most accurate? Now, I want to tell you up front, I do not believe that the translators of the King James Bible were inspired in the same way that the writers of the scriptures in uh, Christ's day, the apostles and the others that wrote the letters were inspired. However, I do believe that God providentially guided the King James translators. And I'll talk about that later. I may not get to it this morning. But the first thing we need to talk about is this, is can we rely on some version of the scriptures? In other words, is divine preservation true? We believe in divine inspiration, but can we count on divine preservation? Well, think about it this way. We do believe in divine inspiration, but if there is no divine preservation, how can we have any confidence that we can rely on what we have? Now, this is, let's forget about the King James issues for now. 
I don't want to go there right now. I just, we'll, we'll come back to that. But I hope by the end of this message this morning, and maybe tonight, and maybe next week, depending on how long it takes, because let me tell you, I studied a lot on this. I'm not sure I can get it all out in two or three messages. But, uh, but be that as it may, I hope by the end of this, we'll see that, that there are some reasons that we can rely upon our good old King James Bible that don't apply to some of the newer translations. All right, so let's talk about preservation. Let's forget about which translation. Let's just talk about can we rely on something? Is, did God divinely preserve his word? Y'all know me. I, I was a history major and a double majoring in classics, but essentially Greek. I, I took classics with a concentration in Greek is what it was called back then. I think when Austin came through, it was just Greek. But I took classics with a concentration in Greek. You could do classics with a concentration in Latin. So I'm not saying that to say I'm some kind of Greek scholar. I do have some background in the Greek, and I've been interested in it. I've been very interested in those ancient classical languages, okay? And I've heard this before, that people will say, well, the only way to know what the Word of God is is to go back to the original manuscripts. Well, there's a little problem with that. First of all, we don't have the original manuscripts, okay? But, but if you go to the Word of God, God never promised to preserve the original writings. God never promised to preserve the original manuscripts. Now, now let me also say this before we go any farther. There's nothing wrong with word studies. You know, it's, it's perfectly fine, and you ought to take advantage of the information that you have today. I have a Greek and Hebrew lexicon. I go back to, uh, to looking up some of the stuff I had when I was in college. I kept some of the lexicons from then, and I like to go do a word study. And you may hear me say things like, here, the Greek says this. What you won't hear me say is, here, the translators got it wrong. <laughs> if they got it wrong, I haven't found it yet. And in fact, I don't believe that they got it wrong. So let's talk about biblical support for the fact that God divinely preserved his word. Are there scriptures that tell us that the scriptures will be preserved? Well, starting right here where we are in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 and 17, let's move on to chapter 4 and verse 1. In chapter 4 and verse 1, Paul says to Timothy, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Preach the word. Okay? Here Paul, or God through Paul, calls on us to preach the word. Now notice that follows right on the heels of verses 16 and 17 of chapter 3 where he's talking about the Scripture and how the Scripture is divinely inspired and how it's complete, how it's profitable for us. He says, I charge you, therefore. And I point out to you something that I heard Elder Sonny Pyle say one time. He said, anytime you see a therefore in the Word of God, you've got to ask, what's it there for? <laughs> what's it there for? It's referring us back to something previously. He says, so he says in chapter 4 and verse 1, based on what I've just told you about the Word of God, the Scripture being inspired, I charge you, therefore, to preach the Word. Preach the Word. Paul must have believed that God has a Word somewhere preserved in order, if he's telling Timothy, that you need to preach that Word. See, if God doesn't have 
a preserved word somewhere in this world, we might as well turn the lights off and go home because all I'm telling you is my opinion. I think this is right. It sounds good to me. I hope it's right. And go, go out and therefore, if it works for you, use it. And you see, so, so I ask you again, does God have a preserved word? Paul thought he did. Let's talk about some other people that thought about this. Turn with me back over to Psalm chapter 12. We're going to see that David and the psalmists believed that God has, had then, and will always have a preserved word. And as you turn there, remember what he said in Psalm 119 and verse 89. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. And, and back, I mentioned this last time, Psalm 138 and verse 2. He said, thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. So apparently the word of God is important to the psalmist and, and that we believe are inspired by God to write this. Now, now look at Psalm chapter 12 now. Let's go down to verse 6, and notice what it says. The words of the Lord. Notice that. Now, now I want to stop right there and say this. We're, we're talking about the general concept of the, quote, Word of God. And when I say the Word of God in general, I'm talking about the entire Scriptures, all of the, 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 the Old and New Testament, okay? But now here we're zeroing in on something more specific. The psalmist here, who is David, by the way, says something more specific than just, oh, generally the Lord is going to preserve his word. He says the words, the individual words, beloved, of the Lord are pure words. Okay, that's what's under consideration. The words, that is what David is writing, what he's written before, what's going to be written after him. The words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Now listen to this. Thou, talking about God, thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Notice what he's referring to. He's referring to what he was talking about in verse 6, the words, the individual words that are written down by these inspired writers God, you're going to keep them. You're going to preserve them forever, from this generation and forever. David and these other psalmists believed that the very words of God were divinely preserved, not just the overall message. And think about it this way, too. I, I, I keep throwing these little things in as side notes, and I don't think I can quit. <laughs> it's, gonna, it's hard to stay on track with this. Think about this. What if God didn't preserve his word? What if, what if there are some problems? There are some errors? What if there are some things that, that he got wrong that, that he didn't preserve for us? If he's wrong about some of those things, could he also be wrong about the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ? That's where our hope lies. You see, divine preservation is important to us. We need to be able to rely on what we have. And we need to know which one is best. We need to know what we have that best that God divinely preserved for us in order to be, have confidence in what he has given us. All right, well, let's, let's talk about the most important person in the whole scriptures. What about the Lord Jesus Christ? Did the Lord Jesus Christ believe that 
there was a preserved word somewhere. Well, turn with me over to Matthew chapter 24, and let's just see it. In Matthew chapter 24, as he's talking about a lot of rich truths here in this chapters 24 and 25, some about end times, uh, some about immediate times that were coming. But I want you to look in verse 35, Matthew 24 and verse 35. He's talking about some things that are going to be fulfilled. In verse 34, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Now notice verse 35, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words, here's that little focus on the individual words again, my words shall not pass away. You remember back over in the fifth chapter of Matthew where he said, Till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. We mentioned that last time. We mentioned that last time and we, I remind you that the jot is the Hebrew letter yod, which is the smallest letter in the Hebrew alphabet. It's just a little mark at the top of the page, kind of at the top of the line. It's the Y sound, by the way. No, a jot will not pass away and a tittle is the smallest punctuation mark that they had. Even the punctuation marks won't pass away. The jot or the tittle is going to stand till all be fulfilled. And you remember in that same, I believe it was in John chapter 5. John chapter 5 and verse 39. Jesus said, search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life, but they are they that testify of me. Jesus Christ believed that there was a preserved word of God somewhere in his day. And he was talking about the Old Testament at that time. He believed there was a preserved word that you could go to. In fact, he elevated the word so highly that when the devil tempted him in the wilderness, he didn't make up something new. He said, it is written. But he didn't say, well, it's written on the originals, but we don't have the originals, so there's nothing to really count on, right? No, he believed that it was just as authoritative, those that had been copied, as, and, and that they had been preserved. Jesus Christ believed there was a preserved word of God. I won't belabor the point, but I am going to come back to Paul in a minute. But remember Philip, when Philip was talking to the Ethiopian eunuch over in the 8th chapter of Acts, and, and, and that Ethiopian was reading uh, from the book of Isaiah, the 53rd chapter, and he said, Who, who's he talking about, himself or some other man? You know what he said in the verse 35 over there in Acts chapter 8? He said, he beginning from this same scripture, scripture, he preached unto him Jesus. Philip believed there was a preserved word. He believed that was scripture that he was reading. He wasn't reading the original autograph. It's called an autograph. The originals in scholarly circles are called the autograph, which means it was written by the person who says it, who, who, uh, it, says it was written by. It was a copy, okay? And you remember we talked about Peter. You don't have to turn there, but the second Peter chapter uh, 3 and verses 15 and 16, he references Paul's writings. And he says, he, he says, Paul's letters are like the other scriptures. So here's some, here's some support for some New Testament writings being equated by the writers with scripture, with scripture. Peter believed there was a preserved word. Let's talk about Paul for a few minutes. Let's talk about Paul. Let's see what Paul thought about the preservation of God's word. In Acts, the 24th chapter, Paul is defending himself before Felix. And in verse 14, he says, Acts chapter 24 and verse 14, he says, But this I confess unto thee, 
that after the way which they call heresy, so worship I the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and the prophets, and have hope toward God, which they themselves also allow that there shall be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. Paul here believed in all the law and the prophets. Paul didn't have the original writings. He didn't have the original writings of Moses. You know, if they still existed at all in that time, they had been placed in the Ark of the Covenant and the Ark had been lost if they were still in existence. But Paul believed there was something he could rely on. And back over just in our, our initial uh, text this morning, he says, all Scripture, Scripture, that word Scripture is the Greek word graphe, which means a writing or something written down. He's calling it scripture. He says it's all given by inspiration of God. He didn't say the original autographs, the original manuscripts. He says all scripture is given by inspiration of God. You know, it's so important that in Galatians, let's turn over to Galatians chapter 3. You say, preacher, are you not just straining it in that? I don't think so. It was important enough to Paul that he based an entire argument on the divine preservation of one letter in the words of Moses, which were written about 1400 B.C. Paul's writing 14 to 1500 years later. Notice over in Galatians chapter 3 and verse, let's begin reading in verse 13. These are precious words to us here at this church. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. That's a precious thought, isn't it? That's, we, we are redeemed by Christ hanging on that tree. We're redeemed by the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. Praise God, it's not a Jewish salvation. It's, a, it's, it's universal in the sense of it applies to all peoples of all places. Not universal in the sense of, of covering every person. because We know that the Lord saved his people from their sins. But his people are universally scattered throughout this world in every kindred, nation, tongue, and tribe. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith, Brethren, I speak after the manner of men, though it be but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or addeth thereto. So what Paul is talking about here is the covenant of grace. He's talking about the fact that God sent his son Jesus to save his people from their sins. Now notice in verse 16, he hinges part of this argument on one letter. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not unto seeds... See that little letter S added there? As of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. I think Paul felt like preservation of the words of God was important. That one letter was important to him, you see? So we got David. You got the other psalmists that I've quoted. You've got Paul. You've got Philip, you've got Peter, and most importantly, you've got the Lord Jesus Christ that says, my words, what I've said, and the things that are now written down, they're going to be preserved. They're, they believed that there was a preserved word of God out there somewhere. So you say, well, preacher, that's circular reasoning. You're taking it out of the, out of the, 
out of the Word of God. You're trying to prove it by itself. Well, let's, let's talk about some extra-biblical support. And this is where I want you to pray for me. I don't want this to be a history lesson, but just a history lesson. It is going to be a history lesson, but I don't want it to just be a dry history lesson. I want you to think with me about how important these things are, okay? Now, let me also hasten to say this. I have faith that what I have is the Word of God, and I believe it, and that's all I need. I'm not saying we need anything else than what I've just read. We can rely on these words having been preserved, having been inspired. We can rely on them. So I'm not preaching, well, we've got to go out and prove the Bible's right by going to history. Not saying that at all. But you know what's exciting when you do get to looking at history and archaeology? It does prove the Bible's right. <laughs> Isn't that glorious? <laughs> you don't have to go prove it's right, but it does. <laughs> yeah, I know there's people that will take things and interpret them different ways, but if you look at them with the view that the Scripture is correct, then you'll see this supports that. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismccool at gmail.com. That's the letter J. C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.